Banks are required by law to know their customers, but deepfake technology in the hands of outlaws makes it harder to know who's who. Vijay Balasubramanian, CEO at Pindrop, is with us to talk about the world of deepfakes and how this technology is impacting the world of banking. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the managing editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. Banks and credit unions have long focused considerable resources on making sure they know their customers. The rise of deepfake technology, however, is making that hard job even harder. Joining us this week is Vijay Balasubramanian, co-founder and CEO at Pindrop. He's here for some real talk about the world of deepfakes, including their scale, what banking institutions should know, and some ways for them to protect themselves. Vijay, welcome to the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. Great to be here, Terry. Really looking forward to this. So Vijay, I would think that most listeners know what we mean when we say deep fake, but just to make sure that everyone is on the same page, can you give us a brief definition of what a deep fake is? Yeah, so a deep fake is a synthetic piece of audio or video that uses a field of artificial intelligence called deep learning to create extremely believable likenesses of a real target. Deep fakes have been around for some years now. And as technology has advanced, their quality has gotten better. So as we think about a deep fake versus the real thing being faked, I'm wondering where we are in terms of quality. Are we yet at the point where the fake can be indistinguishable from the genuine article? And if we're not quite there yet, how close are we? The deep fakes that are present right now are really close to the likeness. Pindrop did a survey by taking pieces of audio. And so when you look at deepfake, you can either deepfake the audio or you can deepfake the video. And so we did this with audio and we had people listening to both real audio and deepfake audio and saw how well can they distinguish between the two. Humans had a 57% accuracy in detecting a deepfake versus it being real. What that means is they're 7% better than random chance. So you could get a monkey to randomly say, this is a deep fake, this is real, (laughs) and it would be just 7% worse off than humans in detecting this. And so it turns out to be that these deep fakes are getting very real. So creating that perfect imitation, no doubt, it's a huge challenge. So many moving pieces, so many things that have to come together. What are some of the hurdles that the deepfake technology still has to clear in order to get to that perfection level? The kinds of things that they have to get across is first is access to information. If they need to deepfake, for example, you, Terry, they have to find access to tons of your audio or tons of your video in order to get that really realistic. The second challenge that they have, and they haven't solved this yet, is identifying things like deeply human traits. On the video side, it is the rate at which humans blink or the rate at which you blink or the way you move your face or the fact that you could have a receding hairline. In the case of audio, it is things like the way you say certain words like S and F and things like that. 
And then the final piece of the entire equation is how do you do all of this in real time? You can always create a deep fake audio or a video that is consumed that doesn't have any real time interaction. So it is just an audio that is uploaded. But when it has to have real time interaction, when you're interacting with a real person, that's another challenge that they have to overcome. When I hear the words deep fake, my first thought is a doctored video of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi from a few years ago, where the video was slowed down to make it sound like she was slurring her words. While that may have been a political dirty trick, it really wasn't much of a trick technology-wise, right? Given improved quality, what are some of the ways that deep fakes are being used these days, and what are the fakers trying to accomplish? Nancy Pelosi's video is what we call a cheap fake, not a deep fake, because all you're doing is video editing. You're slowing down the video and things like that. But you see the use of deep fakes both for good and for bad. Like, for example, deep fakes are used to give people back their voice. There is this great thing where Sonantic actually created a deep fake audio for Val Kilmer, who had lost his voice due to throat cancer. So there are situations where deep fakes are being used for good purposes but they're starting to being used for things like disinformation, right? Or misinformation. We're starting to see it being used for scams in financial institutions. We're starting to see it being used for scams and applying for jobs. Like the FBI just rolled out a advisory where they said people are applying for jobs using deep fakes. So there is both good uses, but increasingly more nefarious uses coming in for deep fakes. You mentioned financial services. Let's bring that conversation around to banking specifically. What can you tell us about how deepfakes are being used in banking today, particularly in U.S. banking, if you know anything about that? We're starting to see attacks on the U.S. banking side where deepfakes are being used for a couple of things. One, there used to be this traditional bucket, which is the biggest bucket of fraud that most of these organizations see, including banks, which is business email compromise. And this is where you get an email purporting to be from some member in the organization, and it actually turns out to be a fake email, and they're asking you to wire money or click on a link and things like that. We're starting to see that business email compromise, even though it's called business email compromise, they're essentially trying to social engineer you to do something that you didn't want to do. So they're now changing that to phone calls. So they're actually calling people on the bank and saying, hey, I need to wire this money out because I'm either trying to do an acquisition or I have this really important deal that I need to use it for. And they're starting to use that to impersonate really important people at organizations like the CEO, like branch managers, controllers, CFOs. So that's one area of attack that we're seeing in the banking side, but the second side is also account openings. When you're trying to open up an account, if using deep fake technology, you can actually create a synthetic identity. And more importantly, you can create a synthetic identity that has the likeness of, let's say a dead person and start doing transactions on behalf of that person. So both new account openings and business email compromise for banking are two areas where we're seeing deep fakes come alive. There's not much surprise that banks and credit unions would be targeted by deep fakes. 
given the potential financial rewards uh, at stake. But can you give us a sense of how much success the deep fakers have been having in their efforts to scam the bankers? Yeah, the biggest one is a $35 million bank heist. And it happened across UAE and Hong Kong, where this branch manager was asked to wire $35 million on behalf of a client. And across a wide variety of accounts, he actually wired this $35 million. And the reason it started getting attention in the US is there was a bank in the US where there was a fake account in which money, about 400000 off that $35 million, got wired. And so the UAE organization that was leading the investigation, they were trying to find out how to get back that $35 million. But we're also seeing with these new fintech organizations like Binance, the chief communication officer of Binance, in order to get people to list themselves, a fake version of that chief communications officer was used to start asking uh, for money in order for the listing. And then you also have a 243K deepfake that happened in UK. This wasn't quite for a bank. This was for an energy company, but then the money went out of the bank accounts. And in these cases, the deepfake was used because the branch managers or the CEO of the German company who is the victim, in each of these cases, they had accents and those accents were faithfully represented in that deepfake. We know that among the fraud purveyors out there, there are many who are skilled at the technology side. What do you know about how bad actors may be tinkering with technology, adapting it, customizing it to better fit their criminal purposes with deepfakes? Or do they even need to have a high level of technical savvy in order to create and use deepfakes? The scary thing is, in order for you to create a basic level deepfake, and if you are a person on the other side, a lot of these basic level deepfakes, because they're not so widely prevalent, you have no reason to believe that it's actually a deepfake on the other end, right? And these guys are using the classic technologies of combining the deepfake with urgency. I want this money wired now. I'm on a plane traveling, so I'm going to be out of pocket for the next two hours. By the time I land this plane, since I'm the CEO of the company, I want this money wired out because we will lose the acquisition. So they're using the deep fake technologies and many of these are readily available to then start using urgency, the tactics that they used to use to actually convince people on the other end that it is the real person. The one thing that we're finding super interesting is in addition to this new technology, which is deepfake, they're using their old techniques. One of these deepfake cases where millions of dollars were wired, the CEO isn't a very public persona, so they didn't have external recordings of the person, but they had hacked in already, and so they got these internal all-hands communications, and they used that to create a deepfake. So the deepfake technology, they're using just basic deepfake technology, but part of making a deepfake convincing is having access to tons of audio or video, and they're using their existing techniques to actually get access to that. Banking institutions are increasingly relying on biometrics for identity verification for other purposes as well. I recently read an article claiming that deepfake technology may actually be able to defeat the biometrics authentication technology that banks are using. What do you think about the suggestion that biometrics may be already obsolete even before it's fully rolled out? 
any security technology needs to take into account the fact that when you create a security technology, you're going to have motivated attackers that try to find a way to beat it. And this is true in the case of biometrics as well. A lot of current biometric technologies don't take care of the fact that you could be having a deep fake on the other end. So how well do you do in identifying those deep fakes? And this is where like when we create technology, we are really particular of making sure our biometrics can detect deep fakes as well. And so that's where looking at the way people are speaking, are they actually fluctuating their voice like the way humans do? Are they saying things like fricatives, the S and the F properly? You have to have techniques that allow you to identify when a deep fake is there. But you're absolutely right. If a biometric technology isn't taking into account that a motivated attacker could be using deep fakes on the other end, it will get beaten. But that is true of all security technologies. So, Vijay, when you're out talking to clients and we're out talking to prospects, what is your read on how concerned they are about deep fakes now, given all of the other fraud related things that they already have on their plate? And for those that are worried, what are they specifically worried about? What we're seeing is that the largest organizations, so the top banks, they're all worried about deepfakes. As you go further down, they have so much on their plate that they don't have big enough teams to worry about things like deepfakes. But when we talk to the top 10 banks, they're all worried about deepfakes. And the reason they're worried about it is just the extent of impact that a deep fake could have. If our CEO or our CFO or our controller or even a individual branch manager gets deep faked or a personal wealth manager gets deep faked, it can be really big. It can be in the tune of millions of dollars. And the fact that some of them have actually experienced these relatively infrequent attacks, but they have experienced an attack themselves. When they talk to you about what they're specifically worried about, how do you respond? I mean, what advice do you give clients regarding how they can better protect themselves and how they can better protect their customers from this rising technology? Yeah, so one is to adopt technology that can detect deep fakes. Like how do you adopt technology that allows you to determine when your private wealth advisor is being deep faked as opposed to the real private wealth advisor calling in? How do you detect when your customer is being deep faked when it is not your customer, especially when he's asking to do a million dollar transfer, even though a million dollar wire transfer is natural? How do you make sure that when your accounts are being opened, those accounts are not deep faked accounts or synthetic identities? And then how do you make sure when you're hiring employees who are looking at critical data, they're not because everything is remote right now. Those remote employees are actually real employees and are not synthetic employees created using deepfake technology. So we ask them to look at each of these areas in order to make sure that they understand the impact that deepfakes could have. But in addition, we also talk about providing advisories to their customers that when you get a call from a your private wealth advisor, make sure you understand that you're doing your right set of checks as well as at the same time, you're making sure that you're not being scammed. There are several banks that have put out advisories on their websites because of the onslaught or the oncoming of deepfake attacks. 
And so these organizations are not only providing website advisories to protect their consumers, but they're also starting to look at adopting technologies that will protect them in a more programmatic way. Vijay, we spoke earlier in this conversation about how deepfakes are being used in banking today, but let me ask you now to look forward. How do you see this? How do you think the use of this technology might change in the next few years? And then maybe look a little further out as well. The thing that worries me the most is, at least as far as banking is concerned, there don't seem to be very many reasons why deepfakes are going to be used for good. The only potential reason is when organizations are trying to create a virtual assistant that represents them. And in that particular case, it's a synthetic voice. It's not quite a deepfake. But in terms of how these organizations are starting to deal with customers, as you see, traditionally, they would talk to you over the phone. Now they're starting to use newer mechanisms like talking to you over WhatsApp and talking to you over Zoom. So these newer mechanisms are definitely very customer friendly. But in these newer mechanisms, how are you making sure that it's the customer on the other end? You're going to see more and more of synthetic identity being created in order to open up new accounts as well as take over accounts. And this is where banks have to be very vigilant going forward, especially as they increase the number of ways in which they interface with customers. They're going to interface with customers through regular phone channels, but they're going to start using Zoom and WhatsApp and all of these newer mechanisms. How are they protecting themselves? And then the other angle that I think that I worry about is just misinformation. So the CEO of the bank, the CFO of the bank, the controller of the bank, a deep fake video of them saying the earnings call next week is going to be terrible because we missed our numbers. Those are things that they have to worry about. And I think we're going to see more and more of that because that's the easiest way to fundamentally change the outcome in the case of stocks or in the case of political elections. So we're going to see both of that increase in the coming years. As if stocks aren't already being punished enough these days, and with November just around the corner, let's not even get into elections. So Vijay Balasubramanian, CEO at Pindrop, thank you again for being with us on the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. Absolutely, Terry. This was a wonderful pleasure. A few takeaways from the conversation with Vijay Balasubramanian from Pindrop. First, Vijay says deepfake technology is being used to scam banks and their customers in a number of ways. He points to business email compromise as one of those ways, but the twist is that fake voices are being created for company executives and are being used to get banks to wire money from business accounts to the bad guys. Another way that technology is being used is for new account openings involving synthetic identities. In the future, he sees the danger of deepfakes growing significantly as the use of digital technology in banking expands and evolves. Some banks already use virtual assistants in their digital customer service, while others are still developing them. As deepfakes get better, it may be more challenging for a virtual assistant to be sure it's dealing with a legitimate customer. Deepfakes spreading fake information is another risk. And finally, what can banks and credit unions do to protect themselves? Anti-deepfake technology may help, but just as important is awareness and vigilance, along with a response plan when a deepfake attack is detected. 
Also important is preemptively promoting that same level of vigilance with customers. That customers make sure they verify that a caller claiming to be Bob from the bank is in fact Bob from the bank. Thank you for listening to the BAI Banking Strategies Podcast. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor at BAI. Please visit us at BAI.org for more actionable insights on themes that are important for the financial services industry.